gents. Play that funky music. Man, this is the kind of energy I get when I think of a new idea, when I'm about to start up a new venture. But where do I go from there? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So let's get this show on the road. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Here we go. All right, all you business pros out there. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Today's guest has one hell of a bio, and he's got the energy to match it. He is the founder of one of the world's leading startup accelerators, and his company was ranked the number one incubator for overseas startups in Forbes and Entrepreneur magazines. Our guest is a venture investor, the founder of five thriving bootstrapped and venture-backed startups, and the author of multiple award-winning books on startup success. With a resume like like that, it's no surprise that our guest is full of energy, and as the captain of his ship, he's directing all that energy into accomplishing his mission to educate and accelerate entrepreneurs. If you want to hear how our guest has trained hundreds of startup founders and corporate execs in the art of innovation and learn from someone who's consulted on innovation with the likes of Disney, Intel, and Qualcomm, stay right where you are. Because joining us today from Founder Space out of Silicon Valley, author of Make Elephants Fly and Surviving a Startup and host of the Startup Supercharged Podcast, welcome to the show, Captain Steve Hoffman! Entrance. What do you think, Captain Hoff? I think I am happy to be here, business bros. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Well, let's jump into this startup. Uh, for me, it's probably the most exciting time in any business. It's when the idea begins to come to fruition. We have so many concepts and directions that we want to go in. We're excited by the possibilities. I equate it to when you buy a lottery ticket and they haven't called the numbers yet. You all wrote. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Exactly, right? You already know. You don't know exactly where you're going, but you know you're going somewhere. And along this path, there's a lot of questions, problems, and we end up burning out. A lot of lot of businesses don't survive. Nine out of ten fail. Captain Hoff, how can we survive as a startup today? So the first and most important thing that you need to do is forget about your idea. Now that seems counterintuitive. Everybody's like, oh, I have to have the brilliant idea or I shouldn't do a startup. But honestly, it's not the idea that ultimately will determine whether you are successful. 
the most important thing is the team. Who mm. do you get on board with you? You can have the best idea in the world. I've seen startups with these amazing ideas. But if you have a B team or a C team, you know, B players or C players, you're going to fumble the ball at some point and somebody else with an A team is going to pick up that ball, run with it and go all the way. They're going to win and you're going to get knocked out of the business. So I've seen over and over again, I tell entrepreneurs, just do one thing. Put your idea on hold. It might be the most brilliant idea in the world, but just put it on hold and focus on what are the best people I can possibly get to join my startup. Like amazing people. They could be working at Microsoft. They could be working at Google, some other big company earning six figures. How can I get them to be part of my startup? And what are the people I need to leverage new technology, to, to really uh, understand marketing and social media? People, a designer who is just brilliant at customer experience. How can I bring these people together and focus them not on a specific idea? Because more likely than not, your original idea isn't going to work, but on a direction, an area you want to innovate in, an area you want to make a difference. And, and if you can do this at the beginning, you have a shot at being successful. Hmm. Now you're talking huge deal of success because to go out and scout people, I know the thing that pops into my mind, probably in a lot of startups mind is, yeah, I would love to bring on people. How do I pay them? Like, I feel like you're using a different metric to influence partners to come on board. Can you help clarify that? Because I know there's going to be a big hurdle. So I'm an investor in Silicon Valley. Look at lots of startups. I know hundreds of VCs around the world. We look at the team. And the reason we look at the team is because we know that the CEO, who is the most important person in the startup, the CEO needs one ability more than any other ability, and that is leadership. You never build a billion-dollar company. You never build a unicorn with just one person. You build it with a team. So we want to see, this is the first test of a great entrepreneur. Can you, with no money, but just a vision and a passion, convince people to join you as opposed to sitting in the cushy job or with, you know, with a bright future and a career path. Why would they do that when you have no money? Well, let me tell you, money isn't everything. People have dreams. People want to make a difference. People want to feel that they can build something from the ground up. If you give people a chance to do this and you're able to communicate to them and inspire them and get them focused on something they believe about and they're passionate about, they will leave that six-figure job. They do it all the time and join startups. And then you, and those are the people you want. You don't want your cousin Vinny, who just happens to be around, or your old drinking buddies, you know, from college. You know, they're great, but maybe they're not the best engineers in the world. And you mm -hmm. need the best. So really, uh, take the time. Put eighty percent of your time up front. Eighty percent, not into pitching investors, not into building your product, not into, you know, uh, do, you know, organizing your business. Eighty percent into finding the right people. Only once you do that, you should do the rest of the stuff. How do you know that you're recruiting the right people and not the people you think are good enough? And you know, this is kind of one of those questions where, you know, um, if I'm going to be doing things in a company, there are things in that uh, priority list that I'm not going to be good at, right? Like, you know, maybe I'm horrible in the accounting side. I probably shouldn't be doing those books. Is that the person I go after on my team first, somebody on the CFO side, or is it on customer acquisition? Maybe that's my, uh, that's the team. Who am I picking out to be the all-stars in my, in my team? 
Well, trust me, you don't need an accountant in an early stage startup as one of your core founders. You can outsource that. So there are a lot of things you can outsource. You don't need actually a great traditional marketing person because you have no budget, you have no money. So that comes later. What you really need at an early stage for most startups is somebody who understands technology inside and out, somebody who's aware. And how do you know this person is great? Well, are, let me tell you, the type of person you want, the type of engineer you want, they are building networks in their house. They are downloading the latest SDKs. They are always making something. There's always on the cutting edge of whatever the latest software is, whether it's the blockchain, whether it's some new database or whatever it is, they are all over it. And these, that type of person, when you talk to them, they are passionate about what they do. They love it. They can't, they can't help it. That's the type of person you need. If you want a designer, that's the other great person you need. A really great, because design innovation may, plays a huge role in a, in a startup success. A lot of startups have simply won, not based on their technology, but based on design. So you want somebody who, when you go in and you see their designs, they're amazing. They've designed products. They've done, when I interview people, I want people who have actually done something in their lives. Show me what you've done. Show me that you've done something that like other people couldn't do that, you know, mm. most people couldn't do. And if you can show me this, you're on the team. Mm, okay. Okay. So, you know, that experience, that uh, result is really what you're looking for in that particular individual. So, uh, and then I heard you correct design and tech, right? And, and those are, those are great things to look out today. I mean, just recently this last month, uh, Facebook is changing their name to Metaverse. I mean, a lot of that is on the design side. Are you going to have applications and business ventures and things that can work in this meta universe that they're creating? Or on the other side, you have the design side. You have that uh, creating NFTs and different types of things that you can purchase within these uh, new platforms. So, I, I mean, I'm hearing you and I, I kind of got that image in my head of my team should be ready for a technology that is really close to coming to fruition and really drastically changing the marketplace. Exactly. So most startups, you need three people at the beginning. You need a business person, which is the CEO. You need an incredible tech person to kind of figure out what technology you're going to use to give you a competitive advantage. And you need a, a design person who understands user experience to relate to the customer. What's, what is the customer's experience going to be when they come in? Mm. And this is for a typical startup, like a software startup. Now, if you're a hardware startup, the requirements are a little different. If you're a consumer facing startup doing something in retail, your, your requirements are a little different, but the idea is the same. So what are some practical things that someone can do right now to get some of that influence or some of that lexicon, the vocabulary, the vocabulary that they'll need to be able to start recruiting people like that or start even talking to people like yourself who can connect them with people that they may need. So I tell you, I tell entrepreneurs, what you need is you need to focus on a real problem out there. So once you have that team together, not alone, but once you have those core founders together, you start a journey. You go out into the real world on an area that all of you feel passionately about. So it could be, I want to make the fishing industry more sustainable. How do I do this? You may have one idea. You may have a dozen ideas, but honestly, you don't know anything until you start going into that industry and figure out what do they need? 
What do the customers that I'm going to work with, will they even buy? Are they even interested in what I have? What are their priorities? And then you start to figure out how to change that industry. Same is true if you want to go into the restaurant business. If you want to go into the restaurant business and modernize it, totally change it. Then go into restaurants. Look at, talk to the chef, talk to the sous chef, talk to the owner, talk to the maitre d' and the waiters. Ask them, what problems are you having? What's giving you headaches? What's driving you nuts that you can't do? Then you start to see high value problems. Really, great businesses are made on delivering value. And the way you deliver value to a customer is you solve a high value problem, a problem that is on their top five priority list. Honestly, if it's not in their top five or better yet, their top three, they'll never get back to you. They'll be like, oh, that's nice, but they'll never call you back. But if it's in their top five, you know what they're going to say? Oh my God, I need it. I need that. Yeah. Can you get that to me tomorrow? And if you hear that, you have a business. It's funny because uh, most people would see that and they have an intention to help. I know for me, for example, for a long time, I'd have an intention to help, but I had no way of doing or solving that problem that they had myself. But the way you described it makes a lot more sense. Now, if I'm spending time building my team, when that problem comes up, you're like, cool, we're going to work on that solution. And it's not just me. It's five other heads, three other heads that are there to collaborate on the solution because that problem exists in the universe that you're creating for yourself. It's almost like you're creating your own Sandlot team here. You're, you're, you're like bringing over squints and you're bringing over your, your squad. And then you go on and, and, and take on, take on the other teams in the league. So, okay, we are developing our team that we got. What are some of the common mistakes that startups fall into once they start going down this path? So one of the biggest mistakes is they dive into building their product too soon before they have really, uh, before they've really identified a demand. So they, they get passionate about it. They fall in love with their idea. They start building it. And only later after they spent six months or so, they go out to the customer and find out that the customers are lukewarm. They don't, <laughs> they don't really care. And more startups die because they stick with the same idea that isn't a winner idea too long rather than entrepreneurs who go into the world without a preconceived notion of, you know, they, they say, we're going to, we're focused on this one area, like re reinventing restaurants. Right. But we're going to go in there and we're going to experiment. We're going to run, we're going to try lots of different things. We're going to talk to lots of people. We're going to gather lots of information. And then we're going to very quickly run experiments where we can test these. Like, is it, will this idea take off? No. Will this idea take off? Is there a big demand for this idea? And when they hit one that it's just people are chomping at the bit to get it, you know it. Like if people, if you, I have a rule. If you have to educate your customer on why they need your product or service, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. Your business is already dead. Customers should be like, they should be banging down your door to get what you have when you show them that it's possible or you tell them that you could get this for them. Mm, so making it an irresistible offer. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? Like I have an offer for something that the customer desires. It's it's a willing buyer and a willing seller. So if you're telling us we got to get a team, if we got to really work down um, by starting with the market before we start with the product, uh, how do we create that explosive growth? How, how do we figure out how to get that next thing that's going to take me to that whole nother level? That explosive well, unicorn. There's two ways. So the first thing 
is what I was talking about engaging with the customer. You identify pent up pockets of demand that aren't being met by any of the other players out there. So literally, when you tap into that demand and nobody else is, is offering this, it propels your company. Like that's how these little companies become these huge companies in, in a mat, like a year or two. They just grow exponentially. But more, but equally important. So I like to say entrepreneurs are demand hunters in the beginning. They are searching for pockets of demand that are ready to explode and tapping into those. Once you do that, there's a second thing you need to do. And that is, I always tell entrepreneurs, don't build products or services, build platforms. Now, what do I mean by this? A product or service is fine, but you know, you launch a product out there, like you put a new gadget on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and you know, within a year, there's dozens of other competing products out there. If, even if your idea was really original and good, they're all, and they're cutting in the price, the margins collapse on those products. Mm -hmm. Services, everybody's offering the similar service, you know, soon enough. But the products that really become these unicorns, these explosive growth companies, they have some magic. And that magic is when they build a platform. And what a platform does beyond a product or service is that every time you get a customer, every time you get a customer, that customer doesn't just pay you once and walk away. Because if you have to do that, it's very expensive to acquire new customers. So if customers are coming, buying, and walking away, it's very hard to grow your business. Really great companies, they get a customer and they lock them in. They lock them in and they put them in a structure where the customer is continually getting value. The more they use your product or service, the more value they get. And in return, you get a recurring revenue stream. On top of that, the more customers you pull into your ecosystem, Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> I think he oh, got pulled no. into his ecosystem. Dude, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, thing. dude. So good. Oh, there he is. Are we back go. online? Yeah. He's back. We're, heard, back. yeah. We're back. Okay. We're back. Last thing I heard you say was we get pulled into their ecosystem and that's it. That's, that's the last thing I yeah, heard. Yeah. So I will. Okay. <laughs> so you get pulled into their ecosystem. And the more you participate in the ecosystem, the more value it creates for everybody in that ecosystem. Let me give you a very clear example. So we all know Amazon. Amazon mm. is so powerful for one reason. They built a platform. They didn't build just a service like that would sell you stuff, not just an online store. By platform, I mean, they brought in not just Amazon selling you stuff, but they opened it up to any merchant can go on Amazon. This was the brilliance of Amazon. This is when they transformed from a typical e-commerce site into a platform. So any merchant could come on. And what did that do? The more merchants that came on, the more value it offered their customers because mm. they had all these competing merchants competing on price and quality and selection that Amazon couldn't do alone. And then the more customers they bring in, the more merchants want to come on because the bigger the customer base. And soon it's hard to compete. It's hard to replicate that. That is a platform. That is an ecosystem. You look at Amazon, they're always trying to create more value for their customers in this ecosystem, faster shipping, more efficient warehouses, easier returns, you name it. They're always staying ahead of the competition by thinking of it as a total uh, platform play as opposed to just a simple product or service. With whatever you do, 
Think along these lines, because once you do that, once you lock customers in, you get them paying you over and over and over again, and they're getting more and more value the longer they participate, you've got a winner. Hmm. It got me thinking of apps, right? I mean, this is why, you know, Jamba Juice, Jamba Juice, their app is on my phone because some kid sold me a buy one, get one free. And in order for me to use it, I had to download the app. And now every once in a while, I get a little ding saying, hey, you came here last time. Would you like to get another order? Here's a discount. It keeps me in their ecosystem. Same thing with the, the Little Caesars app on my phone. I did it for you know easy ordering, but now I'm in their ecosystem and they're allowed to ping me on a regular basis. Uh, it reminds me of you know, back in the day, we used to use this thing called the post office and send, you know, mailers to different people's houses. We still get junk mail in the mail. Having that name, email, phone number, uh, app, all that is about collecting data and traffic that you can control. Uh, is that, you know, what I'm hearing is how do you build an area where you traffic you control or, or a platform where, where businesses and customers can meet? Absolutely. So, uh, we look at this and we call it the network effect in Silicon Valley. So Facebook, for example, the more you content you contribute to Facebook, the more valuable it becomes to you because the more your friends respond and you get all these connections and relationships and you, you're, all your friends are there and you can't take that to another social network. Same with right. Instagram, right? You, those people on that network, it's very hard to convince them if you jump, jump off and join some new platform that they, they, they haven't heard of that they're going to follow you. They're probably mm. not. And you look at companies like Netflix, you were talking about data. So why is Netflix so powerful? Well, anybody, you know, all these big media companies, Viacom, Disney, all these other ones, Warner Brothers, everybody's launching a Netflix competitor. But why is Netflix still the market leader? Well, what they did early on is they started gathering data from their customers. So what they're watching, what they like, and they use this data along with AI to predict and plan what future content they should make for the customers. They got really good at this. So they create this virtuous circle where the more people using their platform, the more data they gather, the more data they gather, the better they can predict what users, what content users are going to consume, and they can go out and make that content, that proprietary content that those users can only find on Netflix, making it very hard when they get locked into a series to leave to another one. So that, again, is a big data play. So in a nutshell, what we started off talking about was, you know, the, the way to have this big booming business where you can actually attract venture capital and people want to invest was to build a team. Um, you, you said the best thing for us to do is to use design and tech people as the first two people as part of our team because that's what's going to help drive this company. And then you talked about building a platform as a team where we can have basically businesses and consumers kind of meet and mingle and do things right there on that platform. Because really, ultimately, what it sounds like is what venture capitalists are looking for is a, a way to compile data at scale so that we can kind of use that data to sell additional products. So if a VC can see a viable option to developing a platform where we can control data, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, and the best platforms, the best way they use data is to actually make the experience more valuable to their customers. Mm -hmm. So the data isn't just to sell them something additional, right? Because if you're doing that, that helps you, but it doesn't help your customers. Right. Always, like Jeff Bezos was so brilliant because he was like, always put the customer first, right? We want to make, so this is why Jeff Bezos pioneered all these things. Like he pioneered, 
a two day shipping. He's like, customers want it in two days. Nobody else is doing this like consistently. Let's figure it we, out. We're going to figure it out because that's what our customer wants. We don't care that it costs us money. We don't care that we're going to lose money for a while because if we can create more value than anybody else for our customer, they're going to stick with us. Returns. Jeff Bezos was like the first one in a big way to say, we're going to make returns brain dead simple. Like you want to return a product, you, you, you we're going to let you return it. Yes. None of the other e-commerce providers at the time, they were burying their return pages. They were making it as hard as possible to return products because it costs them money. Jeff mm -hmm. took the opposite approach. Always think, how can I create more value for my customers than anybody else? If you do this, that's a winning strategy. That's so funny. Literally, James and I were talking about the way I'm restructuring the way I do my journaling. I've noticed in my own journaling, I'm I'm it's a, a record of me, right? I did this. I want to. I did not. I failed to. I successfully. I, I, I. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to flip it a little bit. Well, let's focus on who did I see today? Who did I talk to today? What was their message about today? Was I being a good listener? Was I being enjoyed to somebody? I'm trying to find ways to bring value. And it sounds like for me going through that exercise, it's almost the same thing that I need, I need to do for my business, right? Stop thinking about it as my business and start thinking about it as what can I do for my end consumer? What can I do for the other person? So that's, Captain Hoff, that's what can exactly, I do for you? <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. You named it. You know, you, people want to love their business, but you shouldn't love your business. You shouldn't love your product. You should love your customer right? If you give your customer love, they will give you love back. And that's the winning formula. <laughs> well, I think Hernan froze this time. <laughs> yes. I love it. First it was you, now it's him. Uh, man, I have uh, really enjoyed your story. The The thing that struck, struck me the most, the thing that stood out to me the most was uh, all of this talk about, about team and knowing the right people and uh, I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about uh, how that is actually something really awesome that we've been able to do here with this podcast. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but we're here at sitting at episode 845. We interviewed something like 600 um, different entrepreneurs, all bringing value, all bringing all, all kinds of knowledge. And uh, to me, like that's a big part of what it means to like have the team of people around me it's it's being able to reach out to anybody who's nearby and be like hey i need help with this and i think that's where hernan was going with his uh with his line of questioning you know uh what is it in your business that is a challenge right now that maybe we could connect you with somebody that's been on the show that could help you with it oh that would be awesome so i'll tell you I just launched my new book, which has a lot of what we've been talking about. It's surviving a startup. And I would love, I want to get the word out about my book. So if you could help me introduce me to other podcast hosts or other people that you think, you know, I would be a good fit for, that would be a huge favor for me. Absolutely. We can do that. And James, you read my mind, dude. Sorry, my I internet you, decided bro. to I reset you. itself. I don't know how that happened today. but It's like they, we hang out like, or something. I know. It's like we were discussing the show and stuff today. I know. It's so weird. It's so weird. So and what weird. can I do for you guys? You know, I'm here. You did it. You did it. Exactly that. Look, uh, you know, we're we're big on a couple different things. One is, is we want to be able to tell stories of entrepreneurs. Your approach to entrepreneurship is something that I don't hear very often. Uh, it's not an approach that is talked about very much, but it's something that every experienced entrepreneur talks about. They're like, look, you know, 
I the best thing I can attribute, if I can give myself advice, it'd be work on your relationships, build those relationships. It's always about the relationships. And the way you described entrepreneurship is like, go find some friends that you really have things in common with that just happen to work on design and just happen to be, you know, over here on the, on the tech space, right? Find some good friends you like to hang out with and then go solve a problem. Something yeah. really cool, something really big. Do something, make something great of yourself. And believe me, the business, the money, it'll come, right? You know, it'll, it'll follow. And you're doing, you're doing that in such an amazing way. The message is so easy to understand. It makes sense. You know, tell me a little bit about what's on founderspace.com. Oh, so if anybody goes to Founderspace, we have tons of content for entrepreneurs, like lots of videos. We have an online startup program. We have an online startup kit. I have my podcast where I give lectures to entrepreneurs. We, it's just a huge thing. And I have a special thing actually for your listeners. So Ooh. it's called, and you have to get a special URL to get there and I'll give that to them. It's called the 10 commandments of raising venture capital. So if they want this, they go to the special URL Founderspace slash 10, the number 10. Okay, Founderspace, Founderspace slash 10. And I'm going to trickle it right here on the bottom is of that, the screen. Is that, oh, okay, I was going to say founderspace.com slash 10. Yes. Dot com slash exactly. 10. There you go. Got to have so, the dot com. <laughs> Got to have the dot com. You can't have it without the dot com. All right, ladies and gents, right there, the 10 commandments. If you guys are. Really, bro? Again? Crazy internet day. <laughs> it is a crazy internet day. And what's going um, on? <laughs> you know, the, the, this is where, where Hernan goes into his uh, uh, selling spiel and, and you know, kind of recaps the show and says how awesome Captain Hoff was uh, and, and all the stuff that we learned about startups and all the things that uh, that you have written in your many books. Uh, tell me again, actually, uh, one more time about uh, surviving startup. Is that what it was? Yeah. Surviving a startup. Tell me about it. So survive, you know, the fact is the majority of startups fail. It's just really brutal being a startup and it's sort of binary. Either it's extremely hard to do a startup or you're just on fire and everything's easier. It's not, it usually isn't in between. So at the beginning, it's really hard. And I basically took uh, from my personal experience, you know, I've done three venture funded startups, two bootstrap startups, work with hundreds of entrepreneurs, all the different experiences I have seen and had myself and put down really practical, usable advice that people can take and actually apply to their businesses today. So that's what the book is. I love it. I love it. And as I mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, in the intro, uh, this is coming from the number one incubator for overseas startups. So there's a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom in these books. So definitely go check out uh, Captain Hoff over at Founderspace on Instagram, founderspace.com slash 10 for those 10 commandments of startups. And I'm going to go ahead and end it here because Hernan's just having all kinds of internet issues. So for Hernan, this is James thanking Captain Hoff, thanking our live audience, thanking everybody for tuning in. And uh, y'all have a great one. Enjoy until tomorrow. Here's our outro. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. 
If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.